I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, so what's the real story behind the Browns' interest in Gerald McCoy and his running back Duke Johnson heading out of Cleveland? The Rays got rained out in Kansas City. They'll play a traditional doubleheader today starting at 1.15 p.m. Eastern time. You know, the Rays are on a pace to have four players hit 25 home runs or more this season. So who do you think is going to lead them in long balls? And we've got some leftover mailbag questions as well. All that and ESPN the magazine publishing for the last time in September on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, are you ready for a magical day on the river with the manatees? If so, seven days a week you can experience the wonder and magical charm with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. Now, folks, I have done this, and let me tell you, it should be on your bucket list. The weather is perfect. It's 72 degrees up there uh, in the river all the time. Uh, You want to go up there and ask about their $30 manatee bronze tour and be sure to ask about the free offer they have for active law enforcement officers and U.S. military. That requires a purchase of two silver tickets at a regular price. After that, you are eligible for a free tour. Now, Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company at Kings Bay and Crystal River. It's just pure paradise. Ask about their pontoon boat rentals, their kayak rentals, their bicycle rentals, and so much more. Now, you can book online now at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or you can call 352-777-1796. All right, Steve, so we got to solve the riddle of this whole report on the Cleveland Browns maybe having interest in their GM, John Dorsey, in uh, Gerald McCoy. And then part of that being that maybe the Bucks would have interest in taking, you know, their running back off their hands as well uh, in just a minute. And I'll tell you sort of the genesis of that and, and what my reporting showed. It's pretty interesting, and, and maybe there's some truth to it. We'll see. Um, but before we get started, I don't know if you had a chance to see uh, Frank Caliendo, one of my favorites. And we used to have Frank on our radio show in DAE all the time, came in studio, uh, of course, you know, I love what he does, his work, all the, all the Gruden impressions and the different things he does. He's, he's sort of a pro at it. I'm an amateur. Um, but he was funny because he was on there. And I guess, you know, he lives in Arizona now. So he got to be friends with Steve Kayyem, the, uh, the Cardinals general manager. So he was messing with him on the day of the draft. And he was sending him, like, voice text messages. You know, this is you can do that, I mm-hmm. guess. <laughs> I haven't done it, but I guess you can. Yep. Um, I just type in the the words. I that's I'm kind of a word guy, so I don't I don't send voicemails. But apparently he did. So he called. He started calling him like an hour before the draft, but he called him as Gruden, and he didn't identify himself. He just kept calling him, and uh, so so when he called him, he goes, uh, "Hey Steve, this is John Gruden. I tell you what, man, how about you give us the first pick?" And you move back to four, and we'll take Kyler Murray, and we'll give you 27. And then you take another player. I think it sounds like a good deal for both of us, don't you? And he just like, and he hung up. 
And so <laughs> Kaim, Kaim was, he's, and the whole time he's, you know, Kaim probably thought it was Caliendo, but he does such a, John, a good John Gruden that you don't know. So I wonder, like, what, what Kaim is thinking. And then he called, he called him as Adam Schefter. And he calls Kaim and he goes, Steve, this is Adam Schefter. Apparently, you're calling Ian Rappaport and you're calling Jay Glazer. I have not heard from you. Please give me a call. I got my phone right beside me. I'm waiting to hear what you're going to do. You know, so he calls him. <laughs> and so he says, and so he's just messing with Kaim. And so then Kaim apparently must have called Schefter because then Schefter calls Caliendo and says, <laughs> Frank, I want you to listen to this message from Steve Kaim. Listen to what he just sent me. <laughs> it was him doing Adam Schefter. Oh, my God. It just, it just had to be a riot. But, uh, but, of course, they took Kyler Murray, and that was it. It sounds like a John deal. I'll tell you, how about you get, uh, you get somebody else, and we'll take Kyler Murray, and I'll give you 27. Sounds like a good deal for both teams, don't you think? And that was it. <laughs> so funny, man. Anyway, all right, back to the Bucks. You know, that might have happened with the Cleveland Browns and John Dorsey. Who knows? Maybe somebody called and, and did John Dorsey. But this thing broke um, a couple nights ago, and it was, you know, been played and replayed all over the place lately. Uh, stories picked up by everybody. Um, but I can, I, I'll tell you how this happened. So I got a call from one of the Cleveland beat writers, um, Mary Kay Cabot, and a terrific reporter, and, and she follows them as well as anybody. And the story was out there, uh, I guess, uh, report in a Canton repository. And, you know, I mean, Canton's right down the road from Cleveland. You have Canton, you have Akron, and then you have, the, you know, the Cleveland Plain Dealer. They all cover the Browns, obviously. And uh, I don't know the reporter. I hear he's very good. But, you know, the report was basically that the Cleveland Browns may have a post-draft interest in Bucks defensive tackle Joe McCoy and that Browns general manager John Dorsey, of course, who had made – the big blockbuster trade with Odell Beckham is kind of, you know, they're kind of going for it. I mean, they, you know, they think they have a team that can uh, not only, you know, compete for their division with Pittsburgh and, and the Ravens and them, but could actually maybe make it to the AFC championship game. So I quoted his, his story that said Dorsey's interest in McCoy is believed to be ongoing and the Buccaneers still likely still have an appetite for getting value from McCoy uh, with the new program under Bruce Arians. And, you know, went on to describe how McCoy's going to make $13 million, which we know, and the Bucks only have a million seven of cap room. And, you know, and then the other part of this report was that the Bucks may have an interest in Browns running back Duke Johnson. Of course, Duke Johnson played at Miami, um, drafted in 2015. Uh, and it says that, you know, they're kind of in the same place with Duke Johnson, a lot less money, where the Bucks are with McCoy, and that um, they're on the hook for him of salary cap pits of $4 million and then. $4.85 million in 2020 and $5.9 million in 2021. But the problem is, is that, you know, he's only rushed for 1,286 yards. Um, he's caught quite a few passes. I think he's caught like, you know, 200 passes in those four years. So he's mostly like a third down guy, which is exactly, by the way, what the Bucks need. I mean, they have, you know, they're, they're sort of the bell cow back, if you will, and Peyton Barber. They're hoping they get a home run hitter, get get him going, and Ronald Jones, who they took in the second round last year. But they lost Jacquez Rogers; he's off the roster. Um, you know, they 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 really they have Sean Wilson. They they you know took a kid locally um, that went to Newsom in North Dakota State uh, in this uh, I believe his name is Anderson kid. So 
you know, they have guys, but they don't have that veteran third down presence at back that can help them on third down. So on the surface, it's like, no, that makes sense. I mean, I don't think you trade them straight up necessarily. And probably both guys would have to maybe do something with their contracts because if Cleveland doesn't think that Duke Johnson's worth $4 million or $5 million, whatever it is, then, you know, clearly the Bucks don't think that McCoy's worth $13 million and Cleveland wouldn't either. But there's always ways of getting the agent involved and so on and so forth. That was the report. My job at that point is to say, okay, well, can I confirm this or will somebody deny it? Like, what, what is going on here? Is there, is there there's some smoke? Let's see if, there's a, if we need to call the fire department. So I went about my business of, you know, contacting the people that would be in charge of those sort of things and should know. And the response came back. And it doesn't always, you know, when you contact these guys, sometimes if there, sometimes if there is truth to it, or even if there's not, they don't respond to every rumor. Because when you do that, if there's a rumor they don't respond to, then it's, it's almost like, you know, the aha moment, right? Like, well, they didn't, they didn't shoot this one down. It must be true. So you can't respond to everything that's out there. But in this case, I did get a response, and it was just kind of like, look, you know, we, we talked to the Browns about a lot of things, you know, at times, and we've talked to John Dorsey, but not about not about Gerald McCoy. And then I checked with some people with the Browns, you know, um, you know, contacted uh, uh, the people that represent Gerald. Nobody had heard this. And, uh, again, you know, does it, does it make some sense? Yeah, the Browns are going for it. They've, they've spent some money in free agency on – some defensive linemen, you know, they could probably use a three technique like Gerald. So, you know, I don't know, again, at $13 million, if he's going to play anywhere for that. But in as much as you could hear, you know, Dorsey maybe considering that, there's some credibility to it. Well, today, um, as we're doing this podcast, that would be on Tuesday, uh, Dorsey came out and, and was on, I guess he was on a radio show uh, in Cleveland, apparently. And he basically came out and said, um, look, you people aren't, aren't listening to me. I've been saying we're not, you know, we're not getting rid of, uh, of our running back. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I keep telling you guys, he said, and you don't listen to me. Duke Johnson's a viable member of this organization. He's very talented. The organization has plans to use him. So, again, believe what you want. I mean, there was a time, as well, you recall. Well, couldn't be using him as an asset to get a different player? Absolutely. I mean, and Well, and, and I mean, how about this? Remember Bruce Arians oh so long ago when he said, oh, I met with Deshaun Jackson? Mm-hmm. It was a really positive meeting. Um, you know, uh, we, we talked a lot about his role or whatever. You know, we'd love to have him. You know, the whole the report was they're going to re-recruit, you know, Deshaun Jackson back in the day re-recruit him he couldn't play anywhere else unless you'd cut him or decided to move him someplace or trade him and he of course asked for a trade in october they didn't do it then cutter gets fired now all of a sudden you know bruce arians is meeting with deshaun jackson saying y'all no you know he's a he's a real talent can still stretch the field nothing but positive things about deshaun jackson well we know that yeah you can say as many nice things about him and say that he's part of your plans and then boom you know all of a sudden he's on his way to philadelphia for you know, a sixth-round pick, and you give them back a seventh, which is like no compensation at all. So, yeah, I don't – I mean, could John Dorsey be saying, well, we we value him, you know, as a member of this organization? Well, yeah, but is he – you know, we, we have plans to use him. Well, maybe they have plans to use him to acquire a player, you know? I mean, that's the whole the whole thing you're saying. So who knows what, what level of interest and, – and maybe Dorsey said something to someone in the organization that then – you know, had a discussion with this reporter. I mean, you just don't know sort of the 
Genesis. I always say this, where there's smoke, there's usually a little bit of fire. Well, the trade you actually know? makes good sense. It does. I mean, now, whether the Browns are willing to pay $13 million, but you might be able to renegotiate that down with Jerry. Both contracts. Sure, you could do it with both. Now, Duke Johnson, I believe his contract's guaranteed for three more years, so less likely to negotiate that down, but you're giving away $13 million for about $5 million a year. Right. So there's your $8 million savings to sign your draft picks, and you get a third down running back. And you get the running back that you covet that's got right. experience, and he's pretty good. So, yeah, that, that would – I mean, and I think that's why what people – really seized on that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hey, sign me up for that right now, right. you know. Um, it, it just it just made it made a lot of sense, those two names. But, I, you know, again, I, I do not, as I sit here today, I do not honestly know what the end game is for Gerald. I will, I will say this, and this is true of Duke Johnson and probably a lot of players right now. Here's, the, here's sort of the, the rhythm of the NFL. Okay, so, you know, there are certain players who are due roster bonuses – um, this sort of thing, payments, and they're put into the contract so that when the new league year starts, those payments have to come due. So you see a bunch of players before the start of free agency get dumped, right? You see a bunch of them get, get tossed out into free agency, and that's because, you know, the, they had a poison pill. You know, basically it was, hey, the team has to pay me this, this enormous roster bonus or they're going to cut me, and that's good for me because – you know, if they don't want me, then I'll be a free agent early and be able to sign with another team. Um, and so you kind of you kind of put that in your contract so you know what their intentions are rather than twisting the wind like Gerald is right now. So there was a bunch of players that got cut, you know, right at the start of free agency. And then there's a bunch of guys that make it for free agency, like Quan Alexander and others, that don't get re-signed by their current teams, et cetera. Okay, so they win the lottery. So then the, they quickly turn to the draft after the first couple days of frenzy. And when you get to the draft, it's all about the draft. It's like, well, there's a lot of defensive linemen in this draft, and we need defensive linemen, so let's see how we do. Um, you know, the Bucks I thought, would take an offensive lineman at some point. Well, they didn't. Um, you know, and so you go on and on, and, and everybody, you know, the draft is over now, okay? Well, the next stage is rookie minicamp. And some of them are having it this weekend. The Bucks are having it next weekend. So you'll go through the rookie minicamp, and then it's kind of like a cattle call. You'll have your undrafted free agents, your rookies, you know, what is like six or seven guys, and you're essentially creating, you know, an environment and enough tryout players and um, undrafted free, free agents you sign so that you can have practice and take a look at the guys you did draft that you think have a good chance of making your team, and maybe you discover some other guys as well. But it's a look at – you know, here's what we have in these rookies. Who's Who looks like they can play right away? Um, you know, uh, does the film match what we're seeing on the grass now? That sort of thing. But then you have a bunch of veterans who didn't get traded during the draft, right? Um, you don't have to pay them because they don't have any guaranteed money, which means you can essentially hold on to them until the first week of September. And then, you know, basically – I think there's going to be a bunch of these guys who in the next few weeks after the rookie minicamp will just be released because teams know that, you know, they're going to get to a point where they're like, yeah, well, we got what we wanted. Um, we have a younger player now to play in this spot. Um, we can't trade this this guy. We've tried to trade him. His contract's too big. Okay, we'll just take – we'll bite the bullet and just put him out there and release him. And that's what other teams know. And so many teams, unless there's a bidding war and there's more than one team that wants your guy – a lot of them will just wait for you to cut them. And I think that's sort of where we're at with Gerald. Like maybe somebody will give them something. Maybe they find a player they like and like this would make sense. 
to swap with Cleveland or some other team that might have an, a, sur, a surplus at running backs or something like that. Um, you know, and, and that that could still occur. But we're not to the point yet where they've had the rookie mini camps, and so you're not seeing this secondary phase of free agency. And that's where you know, I think Jason Light was asked the other day. Um, you know, hey, you didn't really address the offensive line. He says, well, you know, we got college free agents, and then there'll be other ways down the road to get players, you know, and that, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about a, a, a veteran dump, you know, of guys with big contracts that suddenly, you know, they don't need because they've drafted his position or, or what have you. So I think somewhere between now and then we'll have a better idea where – and look, there's always the possibility – always the possibility that they just get to a point where they go, you know what, because we've proven that they can sign these draft picks by releasing a few other players. And some of them they're going to have to make decisions on that will be released. But they could just get to a point and say, you know what, $13 million is a lot of money. Um, he probably isn't going to live up to it. But we want to win right now. And we think he can add something because we didn't draft a defensive lineman. So we think we, he can, you know, as far as the interior guy – he can add something with Vita Vey and all those guys. Maybe he doesn't play as many downs. Maybe he does. But for this year, when we're trying to win this year and improve this defense with Todd Bowles, he'll put him in a good position to to uh, to succeed. And heck, we'll just we'll just pay him the thirteen million. You just don't know. I mean, I don't think they've built a bridge back to Gerald McCoy. I think you have to kind of you know kind of soothe you know the 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 wounds that you put in him because. You know, it's been pretty rough, some of the things that have been said or not said. Like the other day at the draft, him, you know, Jason Light and Bruce Arians were calling off the defense like, you know, all their playmakers like Santa's reindeer. And, oh, boy, by the way, the one they forgot was Gerald McCoy, you know, um, in in every instance. They they just about named, you know, ten other players. So there's, there's still that. There's still this, you know, sort of, um, I think uh, – disappointment maybe uh you know that sort of thing hurt feelings so they have to they'd have to smooth that out but is it possible like people ask me all the time is it possible he comes back yeah because look until he plays a game they don't owe him any money you know until he until he's on the roster the the first week of september against the 49ers you know um it's just all paper money if they can find a way to to, to sign their their draft picks who they won't have to sign until they get to training camp in july so they can carry Gerald all the way to training camp for sure um, under the current salary cap structure. So we may not know for a while, or, we, or by the time you hear this podcast, it might be over. Um, it's just that's sort of the way it is. But that's, that was the first, you know, what seemed to be a credible, um, you know, McCoy interest rumor. I don't think it'll be the last one. All right, Steve, so we uh, closed out the mailbag uh, yesterday afternoon. There were still some questions coming in. I think even a few about the Bucks. Maybe we'll take those now. Yeah, so Ellis asked, now that the, part, the first part of free agency and the draft is over, what are some positional needs on this Bucks team? Well, I mean, I think what they didn't get is what they need. And, uh, you know, that's, that sounds like John Madden, doesn't it, right there a little bit? You know what you didn't get, that's, that, that's what you need. So if you need it, you have to go get it now. I, I think – you know, offensive line. I mean, Bruce Arian said more than once that we have to, and he said have to, we have to address the right side of our offensive line. And you're thinking, well, what does that mean? Well, Caleb Beninock was their right guard for the most part last year, him and Evan Smith. Evan Smith got hurt. Um, you know, they played, 
you know, Beninok there mostly, and he did not play well. And they decided, you know what, you're a tackle. You know, we played you at guard, you're a tackle. And Alex Kappa played there a little bit. So they went out and signed, you know, Earl Watford, who used to play for the Cardinals. I think he was with the Browns of late. And right now he would stand to be probably the odds-on favorite to maybe win the right guard position. You still have DeMar Dotson, who is, you know, the veteran pro that's going into like his 11th season. But DeMar had some, you know, pretty chewed-up knees last year, and, and it's it's sort of hard to, to know if he can make it through a 16-game season because he hasn't done that for a while. So eventually you're going to have to, you know, come up with some – a right tackle and a solid right guard. And I, I just don't feel like that they really addressed it. And so, yeah, that's, that's still a position. And again, like we just mentioned, third down running back. I mean, they have some guys and maybe even, you know, a free agent or two that, that could maybe step in there or Sean Wilson or somebody like that. Um, but I don't think that they really truly addressed that. They, you know, they drafted one defensive end. If Gerald McCoy leaves, they're absolutely going to need some, some defensive tackle help. I mean, your your football team is not – it's not really deep any place other than wide receiver. I would say, they, you know, even losing Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys, um, they still have a pretty deep wide receiver core. They still have three really good tight ends in Anthony Eclair and, of course, Cameron Brayton, and O.J. Howard. I mean, running back, we don't know about the safeties because I'm still a little nervous about Justin Evans not being on the field yet because he finished the year on IR. He had this turf toe injury. And he's still not cleared to do some stuff, you know, when they were at the veteran mini camp before the draft last week. So I'm a little, little cautious about him. I don't think they have the safety position figured out with Jordan Whitehead, whether he's going to be a starting safety or they're going to move him to nickel. So you definitely have some spots where they have to make decisions. And, um, you know, we'll, ju- we'll just see which way they go. But they, they rest assured, they did not get everything they need. And that's where, like we were just talking about, I think that secondary – you know, sometimes you can find some really good bargains on that secondary free agent market, which is going to come somewhere between now and, you know, training camp. UK Bucks asked, after the last two years of the Bucks being assigned, quote, winners of the draft, resulting in 5-11 and 11 records, is the site of the draft class being graded a C by the national media, a sign that the Bucks are heading to the playoffs this year? <laughs> See, that's just cynicism, man. That's just dripping with, like, you know, that's, that's on two levels. Like, that's a shot at the Bucks. And a really good shot at the media <laughs> because you guys said, you know, it was like yeah, the media said they had a great draft and they sucked. So, therefore, is the opposite also true? Both things can be true at the same time. They can have a good draft and not win, you know. I mean, sometimes draft picks, we've seen this lately especially, they don't always make an impact their rookie year. It didn't happen with Gerald McCoy. It didn't happen with Rondi Barber, I can tell you that. It didn't happen really with Vita Vea. So, we can go down the line, you know. I mean – Sometimes your best players don't always make the Pro Bowl as rookies. So, yeah, I, I don't know that, that getting a C from all these experts or so-called experts that grade the, the drafts um, is, is, is a bad thing or a good thing. I don't think it really matters. What matters is how well are these guys going to play, and we won't know that because forget about, you know, forget about the names. I mean, everybody – you know, if you went to Clemson, if you went to, you know, Oklahoma, if you went to Notre Dame – I mean, you have name recognition because you've got, you know, 100,000 people in your stadium and in a TV network that you, you play on every Saturday. That doesn't mean that the, the, the football player, you know, that, that they got from Bowling Green or, you know, one of the smaller schools isn't a damn good player and won't have a good career in the NFL. 
It just means we're not as familiar with that name. We didn't see it on all the mock drafts, you know. So I would pump the brakes a little bit on trying to judge this draft class, no matter what grades you read. And you know, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that everybody was jumping up and down about last year's draft class or not. To be honest with you, I mean, Vita Vea, when you had Derwin James on the board, you know, I don't, I don't know that they got an A for that or not. Well, I think, I think. You know, trading back and still getting Villavea, the guy they wanted, was applauded. I think you know taking the they got extra second round picks to take Carlton Davis yeah. and MJ Stewart. Yeah, I think yeah. Th- I think those were applauded as as pretty good picks. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if they won the draft last year, but yeah, but I know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly, people gave them more credit because they moved around and they they picked up extra players, which you know that'll that'll usually get you a B in the uh, in the mock drafts uh, grade score. You know, and they didn't draft a kicker last year, so that was probably a plus. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. You do, I think you get extra points when you don't draft a kicker in Tampa. I think that that definitely makes it a better draft. Yeah. Well, Dave had a specific question about a player. He says, "How does Jason Light get off the hook for not drafting defensive back David Long from Michigan, who is one of the best DBs available in the second round?" I don't know. You know David Long better than I did. Was he one of the best DBs in the second round? Where did he end up? Yeah, David Long actually went uh, 79th pick overall to the Rams in the third round, so that was 40 picks behind Sean Bunting. Now, their measurables are very similar from the combine, including their heights are an inch or two off. I think Sean Bunting was slightly faster in the 40-yard dash. Uh, I think he had a 4.42 compared to D- David Long was a 4.45, but... My guess is the Bucks probably had them pretty close on the board, but Sean Bunting was rated higher, which NFL.com had them as a higher prospect grade on Bunting over David Long, but very close. Yeah, and I, that's usually how it goes. Like you, you have a number of guys that you'd be happy with, and if you're if it's your turn to pick, you you say, okay, we're getting a corner here. Who's the next guy on our board? And if it, Bunting was rated higher, then that's what they went with. And and again, I think that the common like the common trait of these defensive backs that they got where they all can run and long can run too, but these guys can all run and they're a little bit longer. They're a little taller, um, you know, uh, just a different body type. They're pressed corners. You know, I I mean, everybody has a flavor, right? Everybody wants something different in a player. Mm -hmm. Uh, They all evaluate them differently. So it could just be that Todd Bowles and, and his group just felt like, you know, this looks like a Todd Bowles corner. Um, and it could be something from maybe, the interview too. I mean, it could have been something in the conversation. Yeah, that yeah, I mean, really yeah. stood out about Sean Bunting over David Long, and so you rate him a little. That's higher. right. That's right. Or there could, you know, and we don't know this. There's always ties to coaches that have history, you know, with certain mm-hmm. either head coaches or you know they feel like they know a little bit more about a player. I mean, it's 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 just all that factors into it. There's there's sometimes no rhyme or reason, but very often there's some connection there. Um, where they think they have a little more information. So, you know, well, in this case, both. too, it, it can be, as you talked about earlier, is, look, you didn't watch Sean Bunting every Saturday. No. Because Central Michigan wasn't on your television. But Michigan was That's on right. every week. That's right. And so you're more familiar with David Long over Sean Bunting, too. It doesn't mean one's it better than the other. It doesn't mean that Long's but... a bad player or Bunting's a bad player. It's just that's the way they had him rated. And, and you know, we'll see what ultimately what their career. Now, if you come to me a few years from now and, you know, Long has made two or three Pro Bowls and Bunting is released – you know, then then we got a story. Then they but, got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's it's sort of like okay, they wanted Devin White. He was their guy. You know, Bruce said that he made up his mind six weeks ago, whatever. But if if for some reason that Devin White wasn't there, I'm here to tell you, Devin Booker wasn't far behind him on their board. Like, you know, he obviously was the next inside linebacker, and then there was a big drop off. But Devin just Bush, in terms mean? of, the, or Devin Bush, I'm sorry, Booker. Why did I call him? I keep calling him like the you're watching the NBA playoffs. Devin, 
I'm watching the Denver Nuggets every week. Devin Bush, I did the same thing on the radio. Devin Bush um, really wasn't that different in any measurements or production than Devin White was. And they would have quickly tried to have gotten him if they had moved back or whatnot. Now, there was a big drop-off after Bush, but I think for sure, you know, that's that's a similar thing where if two really good players, you rank them both really high, you just like one better than the other. Yeah, well, that's why and Pittsburgh he, and, traded up 10 spots to get Devin Bush before the Bengals were going to take him at 11. Oh, uh, that was a great move, by the way. Your Bengals needed to figure that was going to happen, right? Yeah, although I think they're very happy with Jonah Williams, the offensive oh, tackle. Sure. They needed that position, too, so both yeah, were I'm positions sure of need. Yeah, and that's kind of how it goes. You go to the next guy. It's a good question, though. All right, so the Rays got rained out. Man, it's kind of weird when there's a rain out. You feel kind of empty. You're, like, getting ready to watch a ball game, and it's like, eh, no game today. You know, I heard, I heard Mark Topkin on DAE. Uh... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Every city the Rays have been to this year, the weather's been crappy. <laughs> it rained in San Francisco. It rained. It was it was snowing in Chicago. Cold as hell in Chicago. Yeah. yeah, it was awful weather in Toronto. Now, granted, there was a dome there, so you didn't. The game wasn't affected, but the weather was awful. And Boston was bad. Boston, the weather's bad. You rained out Friday's game. Kansas City, the weather's bad. You're raining out Tuesday's game. I mean, every town they've been to, the weather's been crappy this year, and they're still yeah, winning. You know what they? Uh, yeah, it has, that's really good that it, they're mentally tough to battle that and it not bother them. But what they call that is spring. Everywhere else, you know, this is what happens, you know, and that's why you should play all the games, you know, south of the border if you can or in domes early on. But you eventually got to go there. But they have no more games with Kansas City left, so that's why they have to do this doubleheader thing. Yeah. Which teams don't like doing, right? I mean, teams don't like playing doubleheaders. I wouldn't imagine they I mean, do, if, but it's better than coming you, back to Kansas City for exactly. on an off day later in the season. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good trade-off. It and, absolutely you is. know, look, it's better when – look, I think it's better that you have – okay, so you didn't play Tuesday, you have the doubleheader Wednesday. So everyone's fresh. You didn't mm-hmm. go through your bullpen arms. You know, the, where it becomes harder is, for instance, the, the Boston makeup, they didn't make it up the next day. They're making it up the next time the Rays are in town in June. Yeah. So now you're, you're playing on Friday, then you get the doubleheader Saturday, and then you're playing again Sunday. You don't have the – off day before or after to where, you know, if you blow through your bullpen on a doubleheader day or the day before the doubleheader, woof, that can, yeah. be, that can be tough to manage. Yeah, no, I I mean, they used to, I mean, I thought I used to doubleheaders were cool. I mean, back in the day it was mm-hmm. traditional. They all played them. And, and I uh, think I'd rather sometimes. play a traditional doubleheader than the day-nighter. Yeah, me too. Because you're just, you're, you're not at the park so much. I mean, there'll be right. 45 minutes be- between today's games, not, you know, three hours. That's all you need. Yeah, it's yeah. all you need. I yeah. mean, it's weird. I guess they do that so they get a whole new gate or whatever. I don't know how they. No, work no, it, traditional but, uh, double header. It's the same one ticket for both games. One price, yeah. yeah. One price fits all, yeah. It's mostly to get the field. You know, they'll do some work on the mound and the bases, and that's it. Yeah. Let let the umpires get a rest, get the players, get some food, Change, get drink, get some whatever. dry shirts, yeah. and yeah, get a new uniform on and all yeah. that. Yeah, that's the way to go. Let everyone you know get a chance to go to the bathroom, spend some more money at the concession stands. Exactly. 
There was nobody, by the way, in Kansas City at that ballpark the other night. That place was, was eleven thousand. Was the announced attendance? But Oof, boy, I'll tell you, they they bought a lot of tickets because they didn't show up. I mean, it, it looked it looked like I mean, it made the trop look empty. You know what I mean? Um, or made it made the trop look jammed compared to their empty. But yeah, there was just nobody there. Um, but it's Kansas City, and it was cold. Well, they're the worst team in the AL, so. Worst team against the Tampa Bay Rays, which even though they have the best record in baseball, still not a draw team. You know what I mean? Not like, Mm -hmm. let's go see Tommy Pham. You know what I mean? Like Most people don't know their players still. I mean, they're all mostly young guys. Blake Snell maybe, you know, because of the Cy Young Award last year. Right. Kevin Kiermaier because he was defensive. You know, you've seen him on SportsCenter making, you know, top ten web gems all the time. Sure. I mean, they got dudes. Everybody's got players, and they got they got really good players. But I, they're just not a big market team, so therefore, yeah, they're not known not dudes. Familiar. They're not the Yankees. They're not the you know, they're not known quantities, right? Although so. the Yankees right now don't have many dudes playing, or at least known dudes. <laughs> they got so I, many I, guys I, I, on, I, I, on. They're winning. I know, I know. They're having a hell of a year, man. They really are. For the injuries they've had, if they get some guys back, well, you wonder if it, if they get the guys back, if it's going to hurt them. Well, it might Ruin because the these guys are going got. so well. Right. These guys are doing so well. You might want to take them out of the lineup. Somebody's getting Wally pipped here. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But there's – I was on uh, – I did my Spectrum 360 uh, sports – is that what it's called? 360, 180? I don't know. One of those degrees. Spectrum 360, yeah. 360, okay. So um, we do this thing on Tuesday nights, and they, they ask us some questions. And you can go online at uh, on Twitter and, and see this. But it was me and Rick Brown who used to cover the Bucks for the Lakeland Ledger. And uh, one of the questions we were asked, I thought it was a good question, and I just want to get your take on this. Um, so you got four players now that, that are on pace. And look, we realize it's, what, not May yet, but they're on pace to hit 25 home runs, which is pretty amazing. When you think about the Rays, you don't think about having four guys hitting you know 25 bombs, right? Mm-hmm. And some will obviously hit more than that, and some may less. But that's sort of the start they're out to. So of, of the guys that, that are on the pace to do it, um, which one, like who do you think is going to lead them at the end of the season in home runs? You know, right now, uh, Yandy Diaz. He's got seven. He's seven. got seven, yep. Right. And then you have uh, Brandon Lau has six. As does Austin um, Meadows. Austin who's Meadows. On the and, that, and I think Tommy Pham, is he up there with Pham four? Pham and Garcia like both have four. Garcia, that was the other one, yeah. Yep. So maybe they got five guys that could hit twenty five or more, but of those guys, who would you say has the best chance to lead them in home runs this year? Can I throw in a six name? You got one, sure. Nate Lowe. Really? I don't. I don't think he'll lead because I. Th- I think he's going to get sent back down once Austin Meadows is healthy. Um, oh, assuming okay, he's yeah. not tearing it up. I mean, if he's tearing it up, they'll stay up. But I mean, he's up because they're short left-handed bats with Wendell and Austin Meadows out. So they That's need a right. left-handed bat, but he can mash. He oh he got power now. Yeah, he's got he's raw a big power. he's a big kid too. And then nice job getting a double in his first game. Yeah, his parents drove yeah. eight hundred miles or flew, came eight hundred miles to see the game. And you know his brother played in Birmingham that day and still got on a plane and made mm-hmm. it out there before the game was yeah. over. That's dedication, man. Well, the great his thing brother, about Nate, by the way, his brother was drafted twelve rounds ahead of him. He's a first round pick. Yes. Yeah. Josh. Yes. Yeah. And it's still Stunned. a prospect in the Rays organization. Hmm. Pretty cool. Pretty cool story. And, uh, yeah, he mashed that ball to right center for the double. Yep. He's just, like, DHing, right, and, and alternating with G-Man Choi at first, I believe. Well, that's, he DHed on Monday night. We'll see where they play him in the doubleheader. I would imagine he'll play at least, you know, one game at first base in the doubleheader. Yeah. Um, you know, 
look, he's up here for his offensive skills. His defensive skills, you know, he's not as as uh, was it uh, Kevin Cash or somebody said. I forget. Remember who said the other day that uh, you know this isn't Carlos Pena coming up defensively. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, you know, he's probably on par with G Man. I mean, part of the reason he started in AAA this year was was to keep working on the defensive side of it. Um, and that, and they had, you know, G-Man and, and Yandy Diaz that can play first, and so they were yeah. okay there. But when they needed the left-handed bat, he's he's been playing really well at AAA this year, so they've called him up. It's well-deserved promotion for the way he's played this year. So, But I imagine so you know, gonna, they'll get him some some games at first base just to see how he does. Yeah, you're going to say Nate Lowe, um, maybe facetiously. I don't know if you're serious about that. I, um, look, if he stays up the whole year, he could be the leader. I don't yeah. think he's going to stay up the whole year, but he's got he's got enough power where if he if he starts lighting it up and they keep him up here the rest of the year, he could pass all those guys. Rick Brown took uh, Yandy Diaz, who amazingly was the guy that had what one home run all last year, and they wanted to change his launch angle, and he's hit it to all parts of the park. He's got two down the right field foul pole, um, one to the left, a couple to center, all that stuff. So he's on pace for like 42 right now or something, but um, something crazy like that. But the one thing about him is he makes just unbelievable contact. I mean, every ball he hits seems to come up off the bat at 100 miles an hour or more. And so if he gets any trajectory at all, um, that ball's out there in a flash. I mean, that guy just crushes some baseballs. And, of course, he's all jacked up with the big biceps and everything like that. I would tend to, to say that, for me, um, Brandon Lau has the home run swing. You know, that, he's got that such smooth, quick hands. long, so quick, hand. quick hands. He he doesn't do it with with the body as much as he just those hands um, gets that bat through, and it's got he's got that beautiful high finish, like some of those lefties like Griffey and those guys used to have. You know, mm-hmm. um, just seems effortless. I've, yeah. I I I'm jealous of guys that can do that because you know that they're just squaring the ball up so well and seeing it so well, but it doesn't when he when he hits it, it doesn't look like he swung hard. And th- those mm-hmm. guys. They can hit a lot of home runs yep. now. I, and it's just too bad Austin Meadows got hurt because I think you know, I he know, could definitely lead lead this team. And, and depending on how quick a he comes of, back and how he plays yeah. when he gets back, but yeah, um, I, I I tend to say Brendan Lau would be the one who will lead it by the end of the year. Yeah, as well. could but be. but if Nate Lowe stays up here, he could compete for that. All right, so uh, going back to the mailbag, I guess we had some questions on the Rays as well. Yeah, Alejandro asked, "What are your projections for the Rays this year? Are they going to suffer the same thing the Bolts have? Playoffs then bust?" You know, everybody has this um, sort of Bolts phobia now. It's really weird. Like, everybody, you know, you go around and you tell people, hey, the Rays, eh, you know, best record in baseball. They're like, ah, oh, big deal. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just lump them into, oh, so now all Tampa Bay teams are going to disappoint you in the postseason. Well, How about you get there first? You, you, can't, know? you can't lump them in, but let's be honest. Lightning fans for three months were like, when's the playoff start? I know, and it was over in six days. I get it. Yeah. I mean, there. I mean, it's like everybody has post-traumatic stress syndrome. Like, relax here, folks. You know, John Ramona wrote a column in the Tampa Bay Times. I encourage everybody to read that. You know, as and it look. There's no way you're going to be able to erase the biggest collapse based on you know setting a NHL record with 62 wins or tying the record and then losing in four straight. Okay, that's like now the the low water mark, if you will. Um, you know, for collapses in modern sports right now. You can't erase that. That It is what it is. But have you noticed that every other team in the NHL that was any good is now eliminated too? Has anybody picked up on that? That maybe they're just part of the cautionary weirdness that is this season in the NHL. It has been a bizarre know. playoffs. 
that none really of the has. divisional winners went on. No, they were all out in the first round. Mm-hmm. So what if you have Columbus against, I don't know, Dallas? I mean, what, you know? I mean, so everybody collapsed. Yeah. I mean, did it matter at that point? Like, no one was good. Now, maybe they weren't Tampa Bay collapse because they won 62 games, but it was just as epic. I mean, you know, it was just the biggest of a failure. I don't think the Stanley Cup champions are happy about what happened to Washington, you know, in Washington to the Caps. Yeah. I mean, losing losing to Carolina, really? They probably I don't know what their record was. They probably owned Carolina this year like the Ray, like the uh, Lightning did. But as far as the Rays go, I mean, look, first of all, we don't know what's going to happen. It's it's one month in the season, it's a hell of a month. I mean, they have a chance to win their 20th, 21st game before May. Are you kidding me? No, no, today um, is May, so they don't. Well, today is May. Yeah. Okay, so they didn't make the they, May. They but, would have had I mean, a shot to win 20. They could have had 20 and they in one month. Out. So, I mean, already it's a, it's the fastest start they've had, I think. They're 10 games over 500 at the end of April. Although, so, some of these stats, so there's a lot of these stats being broken this year of, you know, Bellinger's got the most RBIs before May and But there were, games in Mar- there were games in March, This right? was the earliest I mean, start in baseball history, March 28th. Right, but. Don't you have to combine them, though, in some ways? I mean, I get what you're saying. There's like, there's like four more games they've played, so all the records kind of go out the window. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying is that – Was there a player you know, of the month for March because they played four no, they, games? For, I mean, for they, the, yeah, they combine that. It's, but they're not they saying the most it. in a month, but they're saying before May. Before but, May, But okay. teams are playing more games before May than they ever have before because baseball had the earliest start ever this year. Right, and it skewed some of the so records. Some of those sure. records are skewed when you say that, but – Right, but still, right. some Bellinger and Yelich, and you know Glass now being five and zero, and and some you know great starts to the season. I'm not taking anything away from them, but yeah, well, one of Glass now's wins were in March, but I mean, yeah, you know, still, you. Well, look I'm saying before May, he was five and zero before yeah. May. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the way you have to phrase it, I guess. I mean, but in regards to the race playoffs, here's here's what I know: is if the race stay healthy or relatively healthy. You're going into a playoff series, and if you win the division, you got a best of five. If you're in the wild card, it's a one-game playoff. But Snell, Morton, and, and Glass now. i got three legit starters for the playoffs, and that's really all you need. The right. games are spaced out enough where they can start pretty much every game. And if you want to use Stanek as an opener for one game and piecemeal some stuff together, you can. And no, so, I'd be, you'd be thrilled with that. You know, This is the best top three starting the Rays have had in years. Maybe, and you know, for them, depending on how Blake Snell does this year and Morton and, and Glass now, you know, based on the starts they've had, this may be the best trio of pitchers in one season the Rays have ever had. Well, and I mean, you just, you, if you extrapolate that out and you're, we're going to say they're going to make the postseason, that, that means all three of those guys would have had monster years, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's because th- those are the guys you're riding. You got one that's 5-0 and already. I think Morton is what three and three and O as well, or three and one. I don't know. Is Snell, I don't. You know, Snell lost the opener, and that's been it. Now he's been hurt of late, so we got to see. You know, how he comes back from that injury. But yeah, Morton's three and O. Snell is. What is he? I just saw it. he's two and two. Yanni Torinos is two. four and O. Now he's he's had some struggle. He had a few innings there where he struggled, but. Yeah, and he's your bulk innings guy. Yep. Last year, it was 14 wins out of Yarbrough. Well, what's amazing is, is he struggled some, but his batting average against is 185. That's not bad. That's that Morton's at 184. Yeah, I mean, Glasnow's at 209 in that regard. That even though Chirinos has had some rough innings, some innings where he struggled, he's actually pitched really well this year. He has. 
where would they be without him? I mean, yeah, that's – I mean, you're right. If they get there – but I, I just – this equation like, oh, woe is us. We're never going to win a playoff game ever again. You know how you know how crazy happy Bucks fans would be if their team made the postseason? Just made it? Win, lose, or draw? How about competed for a playoff spot? That too. How about you go into the last month of the season with still a chance? Because I say this, all you have to be in the NFL is 7-7. Seven and Do seven. you know if you're 7-7 yep. seven and seven in this league, those last two weeks, you'll be on that board right there at the, either yep. the wild card or above. Well, they were 6-6 six and six a couple years ago. They're always in it. And then they lost you know, the last I mean, four. They finished 6-10. and right. ten. But you only have to be 7-7, seven and seven, and I guarantee you almost every year you're in the wild card picture mm-hmm. at 7-7 seven and seven with two weeks to play. Yep. The chance to go 9-7 and seven and make the postseason. But, like, Bucks fans would be out of their minds if they could get in the playoff after 11 years. And then, you know, then you, now you got Rays fan going, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, come on out and have the best record in baseball and then break our hearts. <laughs> it's just funny to me, man. It's like it's a different sport, people, you know? I mean, I mean, do we think the Rays are going to win the World Series? I mean, even if they even if they win the ALE, I guess if they won the ALE, you'd have to pick them, right? You'd have to think, well, they're pretty damn good. They have to be a favorite at least. They win the ALE, they're definitely one of the favorites. Yeah, because I mean, the ALE has won plenty of World Series of late. Mm-hmm. So, well, and you're still dealing tested. with the Boston and the Yankees lineup for 38 games a year. Exactly. So, I mean, at that point, you'd have to be pretty confident. And and I'm with you. Those three pitchers, that'd be the best three that they've had in a while going into the postseason. So that'd be a good problem to have, but a good question nonetheless. Yeah, and Craig asked us, any concerns at the strike rate for the Rays at 10 a game? Also, the lack of contact with runners in scoring position with only seven sacrifice flies so far this season. Strikeouts, I mean, strikeouts nowadays are not looked upon any any poorly. In fact, they're, they're preferred, I think, over, you know. Over double and, plays. And double plays, yeah. I mean, I think it's such a, a, a swing-hard league now that – no one even blinks if you strike out. So no, I don't. I don't know that the strikeouts and they do strike out quite a bit. I I'll tell you what's you know what's going to get this team a little bit if they don't clean it up and it sounds weird. Their defense, they have misplayed some balls that have not come back to hurt them as much as they could have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Daniel Robertson's been Daniel shaky Robertson of late. has been really shaky. He dropped the fly ball the other day. Adamas's throw to throws to first base have been all over the place. Um, they, they just had, you know, some questionable, um, you know, play in the, in the field, which is they're known for their defense and it goes hand in glove with the pitching. But I think at some point that's going to, if they don't button up the defense a little bit, that could get them, which sounds weird because I know that they're built to play great. Yeah. They're built on, you know, pitching and defense is what they're, that's, I mean, that's, that's their MO. Um, Mm -hmm. but you you know, to be honest, they're one of the best teams as far as errors this year, they've only committed 11 errors. I know, I know some, no. but not every every play or misplay is an error. I mean, Correct. you know, there are some that are scored base hits, and some balls fall in between outfielders yep. and things like that. I just think that they, and I think the Robertson thing drove it home for me the other day. It's like that got him, that got them, and that got uh, Chirinos in trouble. Mm-hmm. And he he couldn't he couldn't rise to the moment and bail Robertson uh, Robertson out. Right, and they wound up scoring two more runs and making it a four to three game. I think mm-hmm. at that point, Correct. five to four, something like that. And so it was just it was just a reminder that you know what it's plays like that that you guys need to button up because against the better ball clubs, yep. you know Kansas City's problem is their bullpens is horrific, right? So they kept coming back and making it a game, making it a game, but then they allow you to separate again because their bullpen's so bad. Mm-hmm. So they almost can't. That's why you can't win, right? You get a good start and maybe you're ahead, and then you bring your bullpen and they bash you, and then they come from behind and beat you, or 
you're you chip away, chip away, and you you catch up, but then there's too many innings left, and then your bullpen comes in and they they, they separate again, and that's sort of what happened to the Rays. But against the better ball clubs, if that was Boston, for example, you lose because of a play like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then the Robertson not... the Robertson's known for his defense too, which has been so uncharacteristic this year. I, you know, well, he you was wonder, great last year. You, you wonder if it's, it's second base, if especially. it's the uh, the hitting slump is kind of yes. affecting his defense or. Yeah, you know, some of it with the weather. Is it you know just messing with his head? Yeah, that or, too. Or is it he's playing more because Wendell's out, and so he's on the field more, and it's just you know you don't know what's what's causing it. If it's just a bad week, a bad couple weeks, or if it's the hitting yeah. part of it. But you have to assume you know based on the way he's played in the past that he'll he'll snap out of that and stop making those uncharacteristic mistakes. Right. No, you do, and I think all that you said makes sense. I'll say this, when I used to play, and I didn't play at the major league level, but I got made it to college, but um, the one thing about baseball is, and you, you hear it from the time you're in Little League, really, is that, hey, don't don't take this out on the field with you. Like, the hitting part, I'm telling you, it will mess with your mind. You can mm-hmm. hit four on the button and just, like, be pressing the fifth time up because you're 0 for 4. I, it just It's a thing. There's no human nature that makes any sense. If you square up the ball four straight times – and they're right at somebody, and you make four outs, that fifth time you're going, oh, man, I'm 0 for 4, i got to get a base hit. And so if you struggle at the plate and you go through a prolonged slump, the, the, the easiest thing to do is to be thinking about that and take it out on the field and your defense slips. It just, it just does. You just don't have the intensity uh, and the focus that you need to have out there because you're thinking about pressing and, and, and you know, oh, man, I'm 0 for 4, 0 for 5. It's just vibes. But you have to be like – you have to compartmentalize that stuff. And I – there are there, no question. There were times when I took it right out on the field, and then I made an error the next inning. You know, because I just had my head up my butt. You know, and it's you just have to kind of shake that, um, grab your glove, and go out there and play great defense. And I I do believe that sometimes guys wear that. They just it's human nature. You just kind of do, but you can't prove that. I mean, obviously, I mean, Robertson might have just misplayed the ball, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so. Um, might have nothing to do with it. But but I know players, including myself, I know guys that would – it's a common phrase in baseball, hey, don't don't take that on in the field with you, you know, mm-hmm. that last at bat or whatever it is. Well, confidence is so important in baseball. Oh, it's so – it is. You know, I think, it's a failure I think the, sport. The two sports that the confidence is the most important in is baseball and golf. Yes, yes, and I you can't know, play either one. Where you're trying to hit <laughs> hit a ball and, and be – you know, hit it to right where you want it to be. If you're not confident in either one of those – you got no shot. You got no chance. Why is it that the only two sports I'm trying to play lately, not baseball anymore, but now golf, and I'm, I'm more frustrated than I was when I played baseball. That's the hardest game I've ever attempted to play is golf. There's nothing harder than I've ever tried to do, I think. And it looks so easy, right? They make it look so easy. It's the hardest game I've ever played. It's just weird, man. But you're right, confidence. That's the whole and, – and especially in baseball because no matter what you say, I mean – you know, the old, the greatest hitter on earth, the guy who made it out seven out of ten times. But that's true. You mm-hmm. have to learn. You have to absolutely learn how to cope with failure and disappointment, which is why I've had such a good career as <laughs> <laughs> a writer because um, I've coped with a lot of failure and disappointment in my career. So, which, you know, but that's, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. Speaking of failure and disappointment, the ESPN Magazine, you see this, Steve? They're going to cease publishing the print version. They were still publishing? Uh, <laughs> right. Well, see? People still get magazines delivered to their house? You know what? I get one. I don't know why I get it. I think I, I think I got it as like, 
part of a thing so that I could look at Mel Kuyper's uh, mock drafts online or something. I think they sent me the free magazine. Um, oh, all the, told, the ESPN Insider subscription. Yeah, the Insider yep. subscription. I think I got the magazine. I used to it, subscribe but, to the magazine, and now everything I just do. If I get a magazine, and I, there's a couple I do, I get them on the mm-hmm. iPad. Yeah, and that's what's happened. I mean, um, all told, they, they've uh, they've had a 21 year run. It, it began in 1998 when uh, ESPN was taking over the world. If you remember, remember the ESPN zones and all mm-hmm. that stuff, right? They're the all consuming, you know, worldwide leader. They were king, and I mean, you know, people were buying cable back then, right? So you didn't have a choice, um, and everybody had ESPN, and and ESPN was, you know, had a brand that was strong, and and you saw it everywhere. But you know, as and this has happened with newspapers, has happened with any print magazines, including Sports Illustrated, they get thinner and thinner. Um, you know, the advertising has all gone digital, and and a lot of the product and. And a lot of their writers, you know, most of their stories for the magazine are printed digitally and people read them there. So basically they're just, you know, they're evaporating the the magazine part of it. And, um, you know, but a lot of their, or maybe even most of their employees or their reporters will continue to write uh, and, and they'll illustrate stories online on ESPN.com. Uh, so, you know, you won't necessarily miss all the work, but it's kind of sad. I mean, you know, they were... Uh, they they sort of had their own vibe. The first edition they ever did was uh, Next, and they had like Kobe Bryant and um, you know several big time, soon to be big time superstars on that on that cover. So that was pretty cool. I I, uh, I once I did a couple things for ESPN the magazine. Well, first of all, I almost got a job there. When I say almost, it means I was one of a thousand people they interviewed. But uh, but I went up. I flew up to New York, uh, or maybe I drove. I can't remember. But I was up. I was in New York, and they had this. Uh, this really cool office in uh, downtown in Manhattan and went up there and talked to them about a, a position. And Dave Fleming, who wrote for Sports Illustrated, he got hired instead. Uh, and I think he, he might still be there. I, I don't know that he ever left, but it was a nice long career for him. And um, But it was really it was a, it was a really cool vibe. Uh, they were very creative back in the day, and you know it was a, it was a neat product for a long time. I also did a story one time. With Shauna Sale, who worked for ESPN the magazine, and uh, when Keyshawn was traded to the Dallas Cowboys, you know he left here, sort of in a huff, you know, got deactivated and all that. I knew Keyshawn really, really well, and and Sean wanted to do a story on him, but Keyshawn really didn't know Sean, so I kind of co-wrote with Shauna Sale. We spent some time in Dallas with uh, with Keyshawn, and uh, yeah, those are my two. And then and then I would do like. Um, you know, six, seven hundred word little pieces. Uh, I did freelance writing for them for a while, but they were really cool to work with. They had some great, they had a lot of SI people. In fact, I think somebody from Sports Illustrated may have started the magazine, John Papanick, but, um, they, they, uh, you know, they, they were, they were around for 21 years. It was a good run. It's kind of sad. And, and the, from where I come from, I like reading magazines still. I just kind of, I'll, I'll pick one up every now and then you just kind of whiz through it. But, uh, but yeah, so they're out of business. So you can read them online, however, at uh, ESPN.com. All right, busy day on tap today at 115. The Rays begin a doubleheader. Their series against the Kansas City Royals, of course, was washed out on Tuesday night. So you'll have Ryan Stanek as the opener in the first game, and Blake Snell will be starting on the mound in the second game, see if he can improve upon his last start, the first one back with a broken toe. And then I'll be at one buck place uh, these next two days. The coaches – 
Uh, starting today, we'll have the defensive coaches, their, their strength and conditioning staff will be available to us. I'll talk to Todd Bowles about his plans for – Wait a minute. They can get all the interviews in in two days? I mean, they have like 2,800 coaches, don't they? <laughs> well, what? yeah, why? exactly. That's probably why we need at least two days, but we could probably drag it out to three. Um, but those guys will be available to us uh, two at a time, uh, so I don't know how long this will take. But um, we'll have a chance to at least uh, talk to a number of coaches. And, you know, Todd Bowles is a big one, obviously, with the drafting of uh, five defensive players, including Devin White and some three defensive backs and all that. Uh, and then uh, the next day, on Thursday, uh, around 10 a.m., we'll have a chance to talk to the offensive assistants, including Byron Leftwich and the quarterback's coach Clyde Christensen and others. So look forward to reading some stuff on TampaBay.com about that. And it's May 1st out there. Happy May Day to everybody. The year's already four months over? Wow. Yeah, man. So we're a third That's of the right. way through the year. <laughs> where, where did it go? I'm looking forward to it because the vacation is oh so close. I can, almost, uh, I can almost feel that. Not from this podcast, but maybe from the times here coming up before too long. We got... Lots of uh, stuff still to go with the Buccaneers, and they'll be going into OTAs here soon and mandatory minicamps and things like that that we'll talk about down the road. Hey, remember, folks, if uh, you would like to do this, uh, this is the perfect family bonding experience. Go swim with the manatees. It's not that far away. You can do it uh, with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees, the number one customized manatee tour company in Kings Bay up here in Crystal River. Uh, It is pure paradise. If you want to go up there and get more information, book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com. You can call 352-777-1796. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.